They said getting started was the hardest part, but no one told you how hard it is to scale a custom service business. It's time for your team to step up, but your clients want you. Discover how to scale to seven figures and beyond by freeing up time and getting your team to run whole parts of the company so you can focus on scaling profits. This is the Hands Off CEO with Mandy Ellefson. Hello, this is Mandy Ellefson with Hands Off CEO Podcast. We have Jamie Birch here on the line and he is a client and has had some incredible success becoming a Hands Off CEO. I've seen him grow so much over the past, was it like six months or so? Uh, about, so that, yeah. about that. It's, it's just been really incredible seeing how quickly he's been able to shift his team and create these amazing things in both of his companies. And I'm just really excited for him to share a story on how he's really been able to elevate as a CEO and really step into this hands-off growth role. Let me just introduce Jamie and kind of share what he's up to. He, he owns two companies. He is the principal at Jeb Commerce and his extensive internet marketing experience includes all facets of online marketing, email, page search campaigns, and customer retention programs, and much, much more. They have a specific focus in affiliate marketing, and Jamie's going to share a little bit more about that. You also have another company, Renewed Horizons. Is that right, Jamie? That's correct. Right. So I'm really excited to have Jamie on here because, you know, he's an entrepreneur who is really smart and is a great leader, but he also has a really big heart. And I see him consistently doing things in this community that's really giving back. And I think this is one of those things that really makes, it's part of what it really is to be a hands-off CEO, is that how you really spend your time. You're spending your time for growth, but you're also spending your time giving back. And he does that both with his team and really developing leaders and, and helping them have better lives, but also in his community too. So it's just a real pleasure to have you on here, Jamie. Thank you. Welcome. I'm uh, glad to be here. <laughs> well, great. Tell me more about Jeb Commerce and, sorry, it's J-E-B, right? That's yeah, okay. I'll answer to either one. <laughs> <laughs> They're my initials, so J-E-B. So tell me about who you work with what problems you solve and you know what does a company look like after you've worked with them for a, a certain amount of time great well now that i've been working with you for a while i can say this really succinctly we help retailers in the beauty and skincare travel outdoor and gear and fitness categories generate 10 million dollars within three years through their affiliate channel so that's that what we do awesome yeah, so that's what we do. The clients that we work with, they're in those four categories. They sell stuff online and they're looking to augment their customer acquisition channels and just their customer acquisition in general through affiliate marketing. So a lot of times they come to us and they haven't participated in that channel online at all and they know that they should, but they have no expertise time or it's actually really hard to find people who do what we do and know how to do what we do. It's not something taught in colleges or, you know, it's not really classes for it. So it's hard to find someone that has the experience that can come in right away and ramp things up quickly. We do have many clients come to us with a program and it could be a broken program, something that's not working. It's not hitting the goals that they want, generating the revenue that they want, reaching new customers like they'd hoped for. So they come to us to fix all that and handle it uh, completely. We have clients who meet with us two or three times a year and we work on their stuff every day. 
and we have other clients that are more complex and we, we speak to them every day. So after they work with us, you know, how do they look? They have a viable channel generating incremental revenue growth that they spend an hour a week on. Wow. Yeah. That's really incredible. And I know you have a really specific differentiation over other affiliate marketing companies. And I know you have some pretty strong opinions on this too. So I'd love for you to share about that. I'm trying to think of what you mean. Uh, okay, let me tell you what it is. I'll lead me a little more on what you're you. talking about. <laughs> so a lot of I agree with you. <laughs> a lot a lot of affiliate marketing companies you shared with me rip off their customers and they're taking credit for leads that were actually theirs. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So the affiliate marketing has kind of been the unwanted stepchild of the digital marketing community. And for some good reasons, it has in the beginning and even now, um, it's where a lot of scammers will go to take advantage of retailers who aren't watching as closely as they should. And so there is a lot of nefarious activity that goes on and we don't just help our clients generate revenue we want to make sure they're generating revenue they wouldn't have gotten any other way. And so that is the big difference. We talk about incremental sales. There's large categories of affiliates that on the sales funnel, they are closers, but they really add no value other than they were the last one that the person clicked on. They weren't introducers. They didn't influence the sale. Uh, they may have just had a coupon at the end. And so what we do is make sure that our retailers are paying for sales that would have only happened through that channel. So there's techniques we use, there's technology we use, monitoring, our staff is trained on these things. It can be an incredibly vibrant, robust channel for just about any retailer, but you have to know how to, to do that. And in fact, we created a benchmarking tool on our site that allows retailers to go through and see how likely they are that their program is actually generating revenue they wouldn't have received if they weren't in the channel. Wow. And that's uh, jebcommerce.com? Yeah. Jebcommerce.com. Okay. Yeah. And I can share the link. So in the like show okay. notes, I don't know it off the top of my head, but if you type in jebcommerce benchmarking tool, you'd find it too. So yeah, we take a real strong stance on that. And in some ways we work with partners that others don't work with because they feel that they're just closing and stealing. We call it cart sniping. So they're coming in after everything's been done, but we work with some of those because we can show that some of those orders are good and we'll only pay for those orders. So using technology creatively to make sure that you're reaching all the customers that you possibly can and making sure your return on ad spend is high, your ROI is high, and you're paying for stuff that you want, not for stuff that you would have gotten anyway because you have a robust paid search channel, you know, email program, branding campaigns, display ad stuff. So that's where we take a stand. That's what is important to us. I'm 44 now. I've been doing this for 20 years. I'd hate to find out that all that we're doing is helping people collect commissions on sales that would have happened anyway. So we're really targeted on adding value. And in that way, we make a difference. One of the things I jokingly say, but I do mean it is, we're changing the world one small retail transaction at a time. And it seems like hyperbole, but that's what we're doing. Well, I that's love what we that. try to do. And what a fantastic offer to be able to add an additional $10 million of sales in three years. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah, well, thank you for helping me figure uh, that's what we're doing. Uh, you know, through it's your programs, it, 
yeah, and it's helped us kind of coalesce that into that idea. Uh, and when we look at the numbers, we do do that. And we drive well over $100 million in revenue for our clients through this channel annually. And that's pretty conservative because I know that you shared with me some of, some of your yeah. case studies. Like, what is one of your favorite case studies? Oh, one of them is uh, we work with a men's clothing company and shoe company. And we've been with them for managing their programs for almost a decade now. And they were concerned about this incremental issue as well. And so we were able to grow their programs top line and bottom, uh, top line by 40%. And we saved them almost $100,000 in commissions and fees by instituting this incremental technology and and a a different way of managing affiliates in the first 12 months. So a hundred grand is a lot for anybody. Right. Uh, Just shy of a hundred grand. That's profit. Oh yeah. That's... It's yeah, not re- and that, it's not revenue. That's not revenue. That's that's commissions. They were paying the year before, and they're no longer paying. And sales uh, went up, so wow. it is profit. They saved that. So that's one of my favorites. Really clear way to do that. We have some others where how our team works with our retailers is we scour their site for best of web offers or just you know we know what this particular audience at this particular publisher we know what they want. And we go and we find that on our merchant site. So we're able to, again, not pay for additional advertising. So we save that placement fee and we're able to get the audience what they need and increase sales by 60, 70% while keeping costs, your return on ad spend, your CPA at the same level. Because it can be hard with a mature program to increase sales without also you know, losing that marginal utility of every dollar. So your costs tend to go up. So we really focus on that too, of reducing that. And we've been able to do that with one of uh, uh, the Northeast premier outdoor and gear sites. Love it. Okay. So, you know, this new positioning you have for your company, and this is new and you guys are just starting to roll this out. Yes, we are. So how do you anticipate this changing your business acquisition? Well, it's got us really focused now. We always kind of knew those were the four categories that we enjoyed working with, had the most success and the most compelling stories. So it's got us focused on everywhere from lead gen all the way to how we deliver the service. And I believe that's going to lead to a lot of efficiencies in those four areas. That's where we're targeting. So we're spending our time going after the clients that we can have the, the largest impact the quickest and the offer, you know, the services, there's a lot of standardization, a lot of processes created that are unique to those four. So it allows us to grow them, you know, quite quickly. So we anticipate a lot of, you know, additional compelling case studies to come out of that. Our team can continue to focus on those categories and drill down and become even better. Uh, But the sales process, you know, if it's not in those four categories, we're just not spending time on our outbound doing that. And that will have a dramatic effect. And we've already seen, you know, in the first 30 days, you know, we've seen some clients come through and that's where we're spending our time. And that's one of the big things. You've got to know what to spend your time on and what not to spend your time on. You can go chasing and, you know, probably for entrepreneurs listening to this, uh, they've probably gone into the trap of chasing every single lead that comes through because it represents dollars. And you don't have unlimited time. There's an opportunity cost every Every prospect you start engaging with, that takes you from finding and engaging with your ideal client. So we anticipate that benefit too. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that 
you basically have found this way of, you said you have found the efficiencies within the operation side of it and to focus and to really have it be more scalable is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And focused, but it's also impacting how you're doing your outbound selling and your marketing. So like you have these three different integral pieces to your business that are now aligned. Yeah. And it's, and it's what is building the scale into your company so that you have that foundation to really be able to sustain rapid growth and be able to continue to increase results for clients. Yeah. I mean, it's all about the clients. So we want to make sure we can add value to them. And so, you know, we still work with some that are out of those four. It's challenging to take on something like that. And it keeps us sharp, but it can take us off the focus of doing what we do best. And those are what we do best. And when those three are working together, there's just efficiencies. When we're talking about an apparel company or a beauty and skincare company, you know, we know the partners that they need to work with. We know 90% of the strategy. All you have to say is that retailer's name. And we already know 90% of what we need to do. And that means that, you know, every conversation is that much shorter and the ramp up is shorter. And that leads to happy clients and leads to providing them greater value more quickly. Yeah. And so, and so what I'm hearing as well is that because you've gotten so clear and focused, you have these efficiencies built in, it's going to be a lot more profitable to deliver the services on your end as well. Yes, it is. Yeah. And easier to track. And easier to track. So, you know, as we talk about hands-off CEO, you know, it's easier for me to look and see where I need to spend my time and where the company needs me. And if you're doing everything for everybody, that's really hard to do. And so that's enabled me to more quickly and clearly see who needs me and where they need me and how I can, you know, add value to them. That's great. Well, I just want to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and share how we actually got to this place, you know, the process we walked through in order to get to this place. So what we did is we looked at what your, the body of work that you have and what those top 20% of clients have in common. And you're able to break down these are, these are the, the four categories we want to be in. At, at your stage of growth, I think it makes sense to have more categories. But mm-hmm. for companies at an earlier stage, maybe having less, even just one category is probably a good idea. But you, you guys have a multi-seven figure agency. You're at a stage now where expanding is not a bad idea. You have, yeah, you have the, the bandwidth. Exactly. One thing that, you know, led to that, I think led to that is people have preferences. They have things that they're really passionate about. And so the, the health and fitness, we have, you know, people who are bodybuilders and cyclists and, you know, all that here. And so one of the things in an account management, if you can pair the account managers and the team who's working on a, a particular account with things that they're passionate and, and the merchant you know, the retailer represents those things, man, that's super awesome. Like it's, it doesn't feel like work and they know it so much better. So that led to a couple of that, but I could see starting out, I think we would have ramped up more quickly if we focused on one category. Uh, I think in our first five years, it really was, you, oh, you need a program? Oh yeah, we can totally do that for you. Have you ever done this? No, what is this you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. So I think that would have led to quicker ramp up just like now focusing on those four categories is making things more efficient, allowing us to spend more time on the things that we do well. I think early on that would have, would have accelerated things quickly too. So yeah, we, we looked at where we had the greatest successes. 
what our team was best at, what we enjoyed doing, and where could we most quickly make a difference with our clients and achieve their goals. And so that was in those four categories. Yeah. And also looking at, you know, what would it take to be able to add $10 million to a a particular client's company? And, you know, what needs to be true about these type of companies and what factors do we have to be able to control in order to do that? Exactly. And that's why you have such a big offer that you could almost guarantee if you wanted to. Yeah, if we can get, and we're still finalizing that list of things, but we're pretty close to the final. If we can do these things in the strategy and we have access, a lot of the times there's two things that hinder our clients from achieving their goals. It's access to what works for them and access to their team and it's technological integration. So many of our of the retailers we work with can integrate technology and tracking pixels and new creative and things like that very, very quickly. And that works really, really well. And I've had one client who it took nine months for them to start because they just had to integrate a tracking pixel. Uh, and those, you know, it doesn't work. And then if we don't need a whole lot of time with our clients, but we do have a discovery period. We, you know, we do need to know a lot about how they work. Where can we plug in that doesn't add extra work for them? And those two things help out quite a bit. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. So, well, thank you for modeling that and just really showing what's possible. And what I'm hearing is is that you found a way that this works for where you're at in your growth stage. Yeah. And then, but if you would have been in an earlier growth stage, that it would have been very wise to just focus on one category and that would have accelerated your growth a lot faster. Yeah, definitely. And, and we've had competitors who focused on one category and they've seemingly come out of nowhere. Great people. And I know them. They went from, you know, a freelancer handling one account to an agency in 18 months. Wow. Uh, you know, a high six figure, low seven figure agency in less than two years because they focused on that one thing that they did best. And so, yeah, it's a smart move. And one of the reasons why, you know, we went through that with you. And, and, and the cool thing is, is it's really easy to get the team to rally around something clear. Right. It's hard to go, we do whatever people want us to do. It's <laughs> no one gets around that, right? No one gets jazzed about that. So when you share with your team, like, this is what we do. If someone asks, then you say, we generate $10 million for these four categories of clients in three years. You know, it's easy for people to understand. And internally, it it made a difference that I didn't expect. Well, that's a great segue into my next question. And so in the past little bit, you've been able to dramatically just like, I don't want to say like lay a smack down, but (laughs) you really raised the bar with your team. And Yeah, I won't say smack down. They'll probably watch this, so... Well, maybe not smackdown's not the right right word, but maybe the better way to say it is actually that you were able to go from where you were working very much in the business, hands on all these different projects, you were owning way too much of it, and now to a place where your team is actually owning whole parts of the business. Yeah, I don't think it was a smackdown at all. I think really <laughs> what it was was we have the right people. Mm-hmm. So, if we were going over like hey, here's six bullet points Jamie said and Mandy talked about like to change your business. Like the first is hiring. Relentless standards, no compromise, 
and get the right people. So part of it was I had the right people at the time. Not that the people we had before weren't amazing. They were. We just have the right people now. And I'm the right leader now. And so while we were going through this, you know, we looked at, okay, we got to create quarterly projects. What are the quarterly projects that get us to our annual goal? And then we looked through that. And then it was just kind of hearing that I could give myself permission to not have to do those. And then just, I just kind of was like, all right, well, let's, I've never done this with them. There, here's where I want to be in a year. Here's what I would like done. And I actually have department heads. I shouldn't do any of these. And then, you know, I sent that email of just, hey guys, here are the things I want to get done. If you're in charge of it, your name will be on the right, you know, to the right of that thing. Here's a link to the form. We're going to track that. Here's when all these things are due. Please use the tracking form. We'll talk about this first thing in every executive meeting that we have. Looking forward to seeing how you guys solve these problems. And so, you know, was, I had the right people. I was in the right frame of mind to free them, to, you know, to let them go figure it out in ways that maybe I, I wouldn't even have thought of. And they responded incredibly well. And it was just like, okay. And I was kind of anticipating like, where the hell did this come out of, man? Like, what are you doing? Like, we've got a lot of crap to do. And now you give us these projects. No one. They were amazing. They just said, all right, let's do it. And they all got it done. And most of them were done within five weeks. <laughs> so I remember when you CC'd me on this email to your, your team. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, that's a whole lot. Cause like, yeah, I'd given you a planning tool. We've been working through this planning tool. Yeah. You took one piece of it and like, man, you like just took off with it. And this is one thing I just love about you, Jamie. You're just really decisive and you're like, all right, I'm going all in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just mobilized your entire team and you had such resolve that your team had no choice but to say, okay, Jamie, we're on board with you. And they loved it. Like, I believe they saw in me of just releasing the responsibilities that were theirs anyway. Yep. And I think for them, they were like, finally, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay, look, I can do this. And they just responded. I, I, I thought in that email, I'll probably get some pushback and we'll have to talk it through because they weren't expecting this. I didn't set them up like, hey, this is what's coming. But, you know, I'm also a really good patient. I don't question my coach much. I would just go and do it. And so I think like we were talking once you asked me like, what, what do you think? Or somehow we got on the conversation of like, what makes a really good client for you? And that makes changes quickly. If I was talking to all the other members of your tribe and anyone thinking about coming in, it's like, just do what she says. You don't get to know necessarily. I had a previous coach teach me this. You don't always get to know what's going to happen. In fact, most of the time, you don't get to know what it looks like. And trust her, you're paying money and just do it. So a lot of the, what I've done is like, I don't know where this is going to take me. And I'm not even thinking about that. This is a process. I'm going to do what she said. And that kind of led to that email. And it was a natural extension of like, you had a really good plan of like, here's the one page growth plan for the year, for three years. Here's walk me through like the projects and things we got to get done for the quarter. And then it was like, okay, now hand it off to them. Okay. <laughs> yes, I will. And I handed it off to them and they did such a good job. Like I said, they finished it early. I think they enjoyed the freedom to solve problems, you know, with the authority to take care of it. Every single department finished every project that they had. 
and some of them were big. And they, I, I think there was only one item that was finished right at the deadline. Everything else was done beforehand. And now I'm like, crap, I didn't spend any time in Q1 getting ready for Q2. I, I don't have any new projects for them. So I sent them last night off of a variation off of the form we went over in the board meeting. Because again, I'll be gone. I was gone most in March and I'm leaving for vacation. And so I gave them a form to fill out that recapped Q1. Each of them can set their goals for Q2 and outline the projects that they need to complete. So now, and I think this is okay, I'm kind of handing that process of the quarterly planning off to my very capable leaders so that when I come back, we have a meeting the day after I come back where we're going to go over how did we do in Q1 and what are their goals for Q2 and what projects are they working on that will be complete at the end of June. That's fabulous. And, and you get my seal of approval on delegating out the planning to your team based on the success that you have, have created with it already. You've been building leaders. This is why it's working. Yeah. And it's awesome. You know, and it's not necessarily about the four hour work week and trying to get to not work. It's about enabling the, the people in your company to do great things, getting out of their way to do that. And then being able to choose like where I spend my time and my time should be spent, you know, and this is specific to me on marketing. I'm the best writer and content creator that we have. And I've been doing this longer than most in the industry and definitely more than anyone here. And I need to be thinking about strategically growing the company. So that frees me up to, to do that. And I have another company I need to spend more time with too. So it's not about not working, you know, getting away from working. It's just about making it work way better. Mm, that's great. And also you have a choice of how much you want to work. Cause it, yeah. We have something called a stress test in uh, hands-off yep. CEO, don't we? And you had a bit of a stress test recently, didn't you? I did. I got pneumonia on like the 1st of March. I was out for a week. I came back for like three days and my wife had an accident and I went home and took care of her for two solid weeks. I was AWOL. I was not at work. The team took care of everything. The third week and you know the last week of March... I was here for a couple of days. So I think I spent five days working in March. We did not anticipate it. It was not, you know, it's not a planned stress test by any means. But on both of those occasions, I came back and my team did a stellar job. They, in fact, they did better than I could. They handled every situation. I came back to not a single fire. There were no calls in the middle of the day of how do we do this? I think the only thing I needed to do was sign checks. And we don't delegate that to anybody else. So yeah, it wasn't a stress test that, you know, I don't want my wife to get hurt again. Uh, she's back on her feet. And I tell you what, she does a ton of work. <laughs> I do it all. Uh, and, you know, it was great to see the team do what they needed to do. You know, both organizations grew while I was gone. They ran quite well. So both teams, you know, just been phenomenal. It wasn't status quo. They grew. Things changed. New processes got added. People got interviewed. People were taken out of the interview process. New strategies were created. You know, collaboration happened. All these things happened. And they just did such a great job. The leaders and the, the entire team was phenomenal. And so, yeah, it was nice to see like a couple hours away from being on vacation for till the 26th and not worried at all. That is, and that's that is super cool. 
That's an amazing place to be in your business. And congratulations for making this happen. Thank you. Thank you. I've had a lot of help, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, and you know, I want to outline a few things that, that a few key um, ways that you're showing up as a leader that have, and that has enabled the success. One of the things that you're talking about, you were sharing several times in different ways is you're decisive. You're a decisive leader. And because of that, people follow you. That's what being a leader is, is being decisive and trusting the process without having to see exactly what it's going to look like. You're choosing a process and then following it without necessarily knowing exactly how it's going to turn out. Yeah. And, you know, this big, huge, gigantic list of all those things that you delegated off to your team. Yeah, it was I mean, a really big list, wasn't it? <laughs> it was totally a big list. And I, I was a little nervous. I'm like, did you just send that to your team? Without like, <laughs> you did it. It was masterful. I when it. you said that, I was like, oh, should I have? Oh. I've been nervous about this. I just said it. No, well, I was fully prepared to like jump in and be like, all right, well, let's have to get everybody on board with this. But it was fine. You didn't have to do that. You know, that was probably what, 100 hours worth of work that you delegated off and, you know, how much time did it Oh, take? at least, yeah. And it got done in majority of it, like five weeks. Yeah. I mean, and some of it was like within four or five days. There's a huge portion that happened that first week. Well, see, that is just so powerful that you were able to mobilize your team that way. You so clearly defined the what and the why, and then that empowered them to actually own the how. Yeah. So very cool, Jamie. I'm so excited for you on that. You just really raised the bar with your team and getting better work from them than you ever have in the past. Another thing I wanted to talk with you about, because I remember when we first started working together, this wasn't actually because you wanted to become a hands-off CEO. This has been kind of a byproduct of it. Yeah. Um, do you remember why you initially decided to move forward? And take uh, I, re I remember there was a profitability question uh, per client. We were struggling, but I don't, but I know you remember. <laughs> I do remember. We talked about this before and then sometimes... Once we get through something, I don't remember the bad that got me into it. And so we're gone now. This is what we're doing. And I think that's a really good thing to not, in some way, you know, it's like pro, pro athletes, don't focus on the losses. You lost, move on, focus on how you get better, you know. And, and so that's kind of, I think, what goes on with me. So I don't exactly remember what the most important thing was. Well, here's the thing is that I think it's really important to actually be looking at these are our wins so yeah. that you can really acknowledge, look how far we've come. And one of the things that like, I was proud of you, even in this moment when we had first met and you were just so open and honest that you were willing to actually look at the raw data and to recognize that 30% of your, of your client projects were either break even or not profitable. Yeah. And we had, you know, a lot of this comes down to the people you have here. If you don't have the right people, and then you don't have the right processes, and then you don't have the right uh, metrics that you're looking at, you can make some really bad decisions. And, and we, we did look at the data, and we have the right person. Our CFO is amazing. And we were operating under one number that was profitable and what we could charge, and that was wrong. <laughs> it was not that number, and it was dramatically different. And so, yeah, we had contracts that were year-long contracts that we have had to replace and grow and renegotiate and things like that. And, and I think the thing was, is I really want to know the truth. Mm. I, and for a long time, at least financially, 
I don't know if I was real interested in what really was going on because, you know, it would reflect on who you are as a leader, if it was bad, and you can ignore things for a while. But now I want to know what's really happening. If Mm -hmm. it's good, then I want to celebrate it. If it's bad, I need to know. And so there's that. And that's probably like, be coachable is the one and just do the thing, whatever, you know, Mandy's asking or telling you to just go do it. You'll find out why you may not find out until later. And then two is, you know, just get comfortable with reality, like pursue that. And we did, we found that, you know, there are a couple type of clients we should work with and contract terms are super important. And we changed how we write contracts now. And our clients want us to be profitable too. If there are clients that don't want us to be profitable, we don't want to work with them, but we want to kill it for them. And they know that we need to be profitable too. And so, you know, they're signing contracts that they think we, we knew were profitable and they weren't. So that was, uh, yeah, that was the big thing. Yeah. So I remember looking through this and at the start of this conversation, Jamie and I, Jamie was saying, I don't mind. We can be more open with this. And he's a pretty open guy. And this is why I'm digging maybe a little deeper than I would with another client that I'm talking with. Just so everyone knows, I don't just go and like blab these different details about clients because they're, they could be held closely. But one of the things that was going on was you were concerned about this profitability issue. And you were also concerned about a lot of turnover that you'd had the year before and concerned that, you know, we need to fix this profitability issue. And in your mind, the solution was to fire, was you might have to fire people in order to do it. That was a big concern for you because you'd finally gotten from this place where you're stabilizing, there's not as much turnover, and you really wanted your team to have that stability at your workplace. Yeah, I mean, in both of my businesses, stable workforce leads to success. Uh, and you know, one of the stories that we had is, you know, if we lost someone, it'd be really hard to replace their experience. But when you are a process focused business, you know, you, you should be writing and creating processes so that people can come in and be impactful quickly, whether they have 10 years of experience or, or not, you know, you, you should be able to do that. And so kind of getting over that and finding out, you know, and we did have, we had a ton of turnover. It's every time our business has taken a turn and we've had some down years where, you know, the culturally it wasn't great. The service may not have been the best and we lost clients. And then I lost a lot of staff too. But every time you make a turn culturally and you raise the bar and you raise your standards and you get maybe more clear on your values and the mission and what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, not everyone makes that turn. And so I was worried about losing people and uh, being able to be profitable to keep them. And some of them we had to lose and others, you know, they did go and we've had to figure out how to handle that and still deliver, you know, impeccable service. We've definitely been able to do that. We've got the best team we've ever had now. You know, refocused on training programs. So how do we get, you know, the two guys, the two people here who have, you know, 12 and 20 years of experience and have worked with, I think now over like 400 merchants. How do you get that knowledge out to everybody? So we instituted Lunch and Learns every Thursday. We've recorded all of those. So we've taken our 12 module training program and now it's like 48, you know, modules. And I take all my managers and all my assistants 
assistant managers out to lunch once a month and we just talk about stuff. We've always had a weekly dev meeting kind of schedule and that, that really helped. So we've been able to maximize, you know, what we have. And, and again, man, the hiring process, like I could talk about that all day. You got to get that down on lock and, you know, if they're not the right fit and there's something in your gut, don't hire them, you know, make sure you know, make sure you know what you're looking for and be relentless in pursuing it. Yeah. I love that. Well, and I really want to acknowledge you because you, that challenge you had before with 30% of your projects weren't profitable. You were able to fix that in a matter of a couple months. Yeah. Oh yeah. Turn that around. And, yeah. and, that, and how you did that was not from firing people, was it? No, it wasn't. No, it was holding, uh, first holding the leaders of those departments accountable for the right things and then, you know, giving them goals and letting them go find ways to achieve those and continue to hold them accountable. But then, like I said, training and, you know, just figuring out how we can invest in our people, what we need to do culturally. You know, a year ago, our culture numbers weren't very, you know, two years ago, they were good. A year ago, they weren't good. This year, they're phenomenal. So, you know, it's helping create that environment. And, you know, now we have the right people. They're, they're doing book clubs on their own. They're doing stuff together on their own. They're collaborating and it's phenomenal. It's super fun to be here right now. Everyone really enjoys being here right now. Well, and you know, that's because the leadership that you are providing and that's because you're building other leaders in your companies, two of them, I guess. Yeah. So you're now at this place where there's four different stages, four different levels of of hands-off growth, and you've been going through these different levels. So what have you learned about becoming a hands-off CEO that you were most surprised about? How quickly doing the right thing can make a change. I mean, well, we've not worked together that long. You know, I think the first couple of months where I was just trying to keep up and trying to, to pick up what you were laying down. I think that's the, the biggest thing, how quickly things can be impactful. I'll be honest, like said it now two or three times, but the hiring, like, I don't know why I'm surprised about that. <laughs> But what's happening now, and maybe what's surprising is even our newest employees who have come through this new hiring process are super protective of who comes in. It used to be like people were protective of the personality at the top. They were protective of Jamie. But now it's not me. They are protective of who comes in here. And even the newest employer will be like, nope, she's not going through. He's not going through. And I'm like, well... They're friend of the family. Like, I don't care. They shouldn't be here. And then I'll just walk away. <laughs> like, okay. And they know that I also honor the process. So that has been surprising is seeing how quickly new hires come in and are protective of what we do here and who we are. And there's the whole team being so in agreement now. You know, and during this, this time, we redid our mission, vision, and values. We had an offsite to communicate that. And we talk about it all the time. And so once everyone's aligned, like, I'm not saying it's easy, but there's just so much less friction. You're not dragging one person and like everyone's dragging one person. And, and you're actually, it's not that you're moving forward slowly. Like there, that other person is running the other way. Everyone's trying to catch them. And we're all going the, the, the wrong way. So 
that's it. And, and then how quickly financially we can change things around. And it wasn't, it wasn't a gut wrenching decisions that we had to make. You know, it wasn't the big, this big thing that we had to change as a company um, that hurt. It was just sort of all of these things that honestly have been kind of fun to do. Uh, the work that, you know, I'm working through, you know, the different modules and things and even the board stuff. My first reaction to that earlier this week was like, man, yeah, I don't have any more time for this. Like I, I've been out all March and now I got to do all this stuff. But then going through it going, oh, no, this is pretty simple. Uh, and I can see the value. And an hour later, I instituted the process here. So does that answer your question? That, that does. Well, great. Thank you. Just looking at someone who is at, a, who's at an earlier stage in their growth, your company is in multiple seven figures. You have all these resources. So I think it'd be easy for someone to look on the outside and say, well, you know, he has all these teams and he already, he has department heads already. Of course, this is going to work for him. So like knowing what you know now, because you've already been through these growth stages, right? Oh yeah. So what would you recommend to someone who maybe is at maybe between like half a million to the first million? Uh, one, stop looking at me like I got it all figured out and you are not better than I am. Like, this, so that always surprises me. So one, don't look at, at me or anyone else that, that you, Mandy, work with and think that that's not me. I can't get there. Like that's a crap story. Uh, that you need to get rid of because I thought that for a long time. And even, you know, we've talked, like I got diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Like if, if that stuff's going on, go get help. Like and entrepreneurs, that's the stuff we deal with. We deal with that. And I'd say almost all of us, if you don't, you're weird and I want to meet you. I want to find out what you do, but that stuff happens. But I would say you need to get a coach. You need to get disciplined and you need to get in reality. So there's a part of your business you don't want to look at, and that's, that's where you need to go. And then submit to a process. Like, man, we have trouble as Americans, like to submit to someone else, you know, don't tread on me and the whole self-made crap. Like, I'm a self-made man. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, and so we have this problem submitting to uh, a plan, you know, someone else's process. And I would say acknowledge that, that you're having that trouble and do it anyway. You'll learn a whole lot about yourself and you work with a ton of people. So you're going to have a whole lot more knowledge than the person at 500,000, you know, because you're struggling. You're not as profitable as you should be. You're working with clients that you shouldn't be working with. Your processes, you may have a whole bunch, but they're probably not as efficient. I remember being there and I had a 30 page manual on how we did everything. And some of it was is so funny looking back at it now. But yeah, I, I would say, you know, focus on being coachable, submit to a process, make sure you know the metrics that you're looking at. Like that's another thing that really helped us was having the right metrics, the right stuff we were looking at. Mm. Well, those are, those are just golden nuggets there, Jamie. Thanks for sharing that. And I think that you just touched on so many important aspects that make you successful and that, that you're coachable. There are a few characteristics that we see in common with the, the CEOs that grow the fastest, that have the, the fastest changes, and they're all decisive. You know what? Yeah. I actually know who the people who are going to be the most successful by how quickly they make a decision whether to move forward or to not. 
And it's okay if they don't want to, but make a freaking decision. Make oh, yeah. a decision. I, I was talking to my sister yesterday, super successful executive. And she was like, look, we make five decisions every day. That's what we're paid for. Three of them are great. Two of them are bad. Deal with the ones that are bad, but make the decisions. At an executive level, you're running your own company, you're a CEO, CEO. That's what you do. You make decisions. So do them. I love the way you put that because it's just, it's important to make the decisions and be really decisive and be coachable and just be willing to, you use the word submit to a process. Yeah. I think that's, that's interesting. Oh, and there's people triggered by that word right now. I guarantee oh, you. Oh, I know. Submit. I'm not going to submit yet. Well, you won't. And then sometime you will. And then you'll be like, I should have done that before. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing is, is that I can actually tell how advanced a leader is based on their willingness to be open to new ideas. The less mature leaders are the ones who can't submit. It's an interesting paradox, isn't it? It is. And you want to be the leader. And some of it, you know, they struggle with image. I got to have the answer. It's like, no, you know, you don't. You don't. I don't have the answer for half of this, at least. 80% of the stuff that goes on here. So, you know, sometimes you just got to overcome your own head trash. I love it. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this great wisdom. You're welcome. This is fun. So where can people find you and in, in your company? You know, they can type Jamie Birch and Google and they'll find me everywhere. <laughs> I write a lot of stuff. They can go to jbcommerce.com. Uh, they can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash jbcommerce. You can find me at Twitter at Jamie E. Birch. Um, Jamie at jebcommerce.com is my email address. Any of those things. Yeah, I'd love to chat with business owners who kind of going through stuff or any retailer wants to, to talk about how we can help them. That's how you get a hold of me. Well, and um, I know that you're developing a guide right now on how to not get ripped off by affiliates. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that something you want to share right now? Yeah, so we will, on our blog, we will have a guide. To how, how, do, how do you not get ripped off by affiliates? It's not that all affiliates are bad and they're all trying to rip you off, but there is a community out there that they are trying to do that. And so we're going to put together a guide for any online retailer uh, that you know, will list uh, you know, five or ten things, what you need to do to make sure uh, you're least likely to get ripped off through affiliate marketing. Got it. Love it. So go to jebcommerce.com. Will that resource be there for jbcommerce.com forward slash guide? No, it'll be at jebcommerce.com forward slash blog and it'll be there. Okay, got it. So go to jbcommerce.com forward slash blog and you can find this great resource on how to not get ripped off by affiliates. Go download it if you have a, an e-commerce company and you would like to add another $10 million of new sales from affiliate marketing. Thank you so much, Jamie, for being on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure. All right. Thank you, Mandy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hands Off CEO with Mandy Ellison. If you want to work less and make more, make sure you subscribe and get a new episode every week and help spread the word by leaving a review.